Hello, welcome to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagey, Enneagram 6, Life Coach for Sixes. In today's episode, we go into the fixation of sixes, which is cowardice. I offer a new way to think about this to help us actually work with the fixation and give some practical tools so you can move from insight into application. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, sixes. Welcome back. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad to be here. I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with the idea that many of you actually listen to this. I know that that could sound weird, but I also know that you're sixes. And so it probably doesn't sound weird at all, which is really lovely. Also, I've been asking for ratings and reviews, and I'm so moved by the reviews that have been coming in. And those of you leaving ratings says it really does help the podcast. It really helps get it out there. But I read those and I'm so struck. And um, it, get, it makes me feel good, of course. And it's also scary, which again, is hilarious, except that you're sixes. So I know you'll get this to some degree. And it really leads perfectly into the topic for today, which is we're going to pull apart our fixation and sort of what it is, what our subconscious is doing, and also really talk through what we can do with it and how we can work with it, how we can sort of break the pattern. So the reason that the ratings and reviews are such a good example is because it's so much positivity. And yet my brain scares me with that positive review. And my brain or my subconscious says, well, you could ruin that. <laughs> you could, you're, you're not actually living up to that. Like, so now you have to, now you have to prove that true. E which is so funny to look at directly because that doesn't make sense, right? What is there is based on the actual past and people's experiences. And yet my mind will offer reasons why these positive things are scary. And the reason that that happens is because I... I'm an Enneagram 6, which means I use Enneagram 6 strategies. And one of the strategies that we have is a fixation. All types have a fixation. Our fixation is cowardice, which is described as a lack of bravery, which is fine. I'm also going to talk about how that works with more counterphobic stuff. But... Saying it's a lack of bravery doesn't really capture it. The way to capture a fixation is to ask, what does that do? What does that fixation do? And this, I've referenced this before. I might keep saying this for a while because it was so compelling to me to hear Tom Condon say this multiple times, that as sixes, 
we scare ourselves. So if you think of what our fixation is doing, it has a function. It does something. And you could go around the whole Enneagram and do this with all the numbers. So this, again, I always just want to say that because I think sometimes we can think, oh no, right? Because of course we scare ourselves. Uh, as sixes, we do this thing over and over. Well, every number is doing a thing. Every number has a fixation. And this just happens to be ours. So cowardice, what does cowardice do? It scares us. We scare ourselves. Now, the other thing I want to say at the outset is there's a lot of reasons why we might argue with this in our beings and in our minds. The main reason that we might argue with this is because another thing we have going on, which we've talked about before, is because security is so important to us, we are very resistant to the idea that we could do anything that would compromise our own security. In fact, that is a big fat red flag thought for our subconscious and can really threaten to kind of take us down in levels of health very quickly because it's extremely destabilizing for us to think we have done something to harm our own security. In fact, all of this, you know, figuring everything out and trying to account for everything and being all hypervigilant for us and everyone else, that whole, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That whole, whatever the word I'm looking for is, you know what I mean, sort of cluster of behaviors is so that we couldn't possibly be blamed if anything goes wrong for ourselves or anyone else. So of course, if we see something that we're like, ooh, that, that doesn't look like something I would do because that would compromise my own security. You can just see where there's a big part of our personality that isn't necessarily going to want to see certain things if we blame ourselves or make ourselves wrong for it or put some kind of moral judgment around it, which is what we're so often doing. So I want to just invite your brain to consider this as neutrally as possible. This whole idea that we scare ourselves over and over and over is not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a thing that the six personality structure does. What our subconscious does is not something that needs to be judged. This is one of the first things I teach in my program is you have the thing that your subconscious is doing and then you have the witness, your own internal witness to what you see your subconscious doing. So as we reveal ourselves to ourselves, we want to take that revelation carefully. We want to treat it with care and with kindness and with curiosity, fascination even. I think one of the most valuable qualities we can have is a fascination with the way we operate. 
which you might think that people who are really interested in all this personality stuff like MBTI and Enneagram and all these things, you might think that there is this fascination, but I actually don't see that. It's like a way to utilize these tools or these personality typing things uh, against us and against other people. I really uh, am I'm not a fan. <laughs> not a fan of that use. So I just, I really want to invite curiosity, fascination, some grace, some space, uh, really, truly some humanity here. Okay. This, this is how humans operate. We have predictable patterned ways that we personality. That's fascinating. So hopefully foundation laid that can crack open some insight here without making yourself wrong or bad or, you know, because here's what here was what we would expect is as we crack open insight, the mechanism of cowardice of scaring oneself is going to come online. This is the other thing that I think is interesting in terms of revealing uh, personality stuff. We don't actually use it <laughs> on ourselves in real time. We don't use it as, oh, this is what I'm doing. Oh, I see. So I guess that's why I have this podcast. Okay. In hopes of, hey, let's learn these things and then use them for us, right? Let's find ways to really let revelation land safely. And then more and more and more over time, we will actually be able to see, oh, that's what I'm doing. Oh, there's that thing. I see myself doing that thing that sixes do or that six strategy. Like, whoa, I see myself doing that. Uh, those could be really cool moments is all I'm saying. Okay, so getting into it already. Okay, getting into it already. Oh, one more thing. One more way to really try to just crack this all open. You don't have control over this. You don't. I don't. You don't. If you're a six, whatever number you are, you don't have control over your fixation happening because it is a unconscious automatic uh, mechanism. So what is the benefit of judging that? No, and I get it. I'm do I'm I'm literally right now offering just a bunch of thoughts and ways to think about things and reframing, which as we're going to talk about, doesn't really work when the fixation really has a hold of us. Um, oh well, I'm doing it anyway in hopes that, you know, as we set the stage for this information coming in, that might have some impact. It might not. That's okay too. Okay. So let's get into it. This whole idea of taking this statement of the Enneagram 6 strategy, or sorry, the Enneagram 6 fixation is cowardice and changing this to a verb. We scare ourselves. What that is, is a little bit of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. So what this is doing is using language to sort of change and shape our experience with whatever the thing is, is happening. So 
I'm hoping you can already sort of feel how this works. If I say, oh, cowardice, I'm just, I'm literally just kind of like left in my mind, like spinning about what does that mean? And do I do that? And where do I do that? And blah, blah, blah. It, it doesn't feel like grounded in anything I can actually get my hands on. Whereas if I say, I scare myself, suddenly it's like, oh, wait, hold on. There's something there that I can work with. There's something there that I can explore, that I can actually look for. And also it's interesting because if I say I can scare myself, right, there's also an ownership piece. Because if I scare myself and I own that I do that, it's possible I could do something else. I could not scare myself or I could work with those fears or I could notice when I'm doing that. Noticing in and of itself is such a powerful intervention for this reason. It stops the pattern. Because what we're talking about so often are what are the ways that we can kind of like put a wrench. Like, okay, if you picture, um, I really should think of these analogies ahead of time because often I'm like, what am I talking about? But this is the image that just came to mind. So you picture like clock gears. <laughs> I'm picturing opening up a clock and there's all these gears and they're all working together. And I don't know if that's how a clock works, but you can picture it, right? All the interlocking gears. And this is say our personality just like doing its thing. And it, all the pieces are just, they just keep hitting each other and everything's just whirring along, whirring along. You want to be able to kind of put a wrench in the gears. So the whole thing goes, that is what we want to be able to do when our personality is just doing its thing. And so even just saying we scare ourselves, it throws a wrench in the whole system. So it's like, wait, what? Now we may we may immediately go into explaining how that's not true. Okay. So I do want to go ahead and highlight some of those thoughts that might happen. Like, I don't scare myself. The world is scary. I'm just paying attention. Um, I don't scare myself. I wouldn't do that to myself. Why would I do that to myself? This is something that I, in the beginning of me really, really owning uh, my own the creation of my own emotions, I got really stuck here. I was like, why would I do that to myself, right? Because I would feel so much anger and rage and frustration and just all of these feelings. And I was learning, you know, our, our own human systems create our own emotions. We can just own that they exist in our own bodies. And I was just like, I, I don't understand that because I wouldn't do that to myself. I wouldn't make myself feel this way because I was judging the emotion. Do you hear what I'm saying there? I was like, well, I wouldn't do this because this is bad. Okay, I'm kind of veering off into a whole nother topic. But so there can just be a denial of this because we think I I would not do that to myself. And when we look out into the world, the things that we scare ourselves with are real things that do happen. I remember one night when I had just had a baby, he was, he was very young and I was driving, I remember. And I was thinking to myself as, as the sixes want to do, 
I was thinking about losing him or something bad happening. And I thought everything that I worry about has happened. These are real things that have happened. So of course I think about all these things. Of course I do. And and there is truth there. I really want to be clear that in all of the work we do as sixes, we're never trying to judge ourselves for orienting to the worst things that could happen. That in and of itself, to, to know that horrible things happen, this is not a bad thing. This is truth-telling in quite the real sense, right? I mean, this this is telling the truth that really, really, really terrible things happen. They have happened to us or we are very close to people that they have happened to or we read the news or we have minds in our heads, right? That the issue is how we can get taken over by thinking about all the terrible things that can happen. It isn't that we're ever supposed to pretend terrible things don't happen. Okay, so we might not look, we might not want to look at how we scare ourselves because we might feel defensive about that. We might not want to take responsibility for being part of what generates so much of our internal angst. We just might not want to do that. And we might feel that someone wants us to deny all the terrible things that happen in the world or that we're somehow doing something wrong. So yet again, just trying to like sweep away the gaslighting, the moralizing, the all the things that maybe have done been done to us and the things that we continue to do to ourselves internally as we do this courageous explorative work. Okay. I feel like this is just a half hour of disclaimers, but you know what? That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's it. Did you hear that's what my brain just said? Kristen, this is ridiculous. Literally all you're doing is disclaiming over and over and over. Okay. Thanks. Brain. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going. Okay. Okay. I need to drop this in here also. So this is particularly for those of you who don't resonate, like who really don't see the self-scaring. And, you know, a lot of times sixes are like, I just don't resonate with the, you know, feeling scared or the worst case scenario planning or all of these things. Like, I think I'm a six, but I just, that part doesn't resonate. So this whole thing I'm saying about self-scaring may not be landing. And here's, so here's what I want to say. It's how we compensate subconsciously for the self-scaring is where we see a lot of behaviors. So here's an example. I used to be extremely controlling over what my husband ate. Well, let let me rephrase that. I tried to be, okay. He didn't really want to do what I said, but that's that's fine. He's he's a grown man. But I was unaware 
of the self-scaring aspect. Okay, that was in my subconscious that I was saying, if he eats that, he's going to die. If he eats that, he's going to have a heart attack. If he continues to work late, that's another thing I used to get real uh, loud about. He's going to be too stressed. He's not going to get enough sleep. All the things, right? He's going to die. So I was not aware of the self-scaring. What I was aware of was my anger and my just, I genuinely believed I was just being rational. That I was just like, listen, you need to do these things differently. It's just the right thing to do. So I would go into a very aggressive stance with him. The self-scaring part was still subconscious. I did not have access to that. It would sometimes pop into my consciousness, but for the most part, that just stayed back there. And I just thought he needed to do what I knew was best for him, which is totally infantilizing. And I really try not to do that anymore. The point being, when we tend to run more that way, we get just to a little bit extra work. We get to ask ourselves, what am I afraid of here? What am I afraid of here? I really encourage all sixes when there's a big emotion and we want to go out to hold on, pause and turn in and say, what am I afraid of here? And this goes for all sixes along the spectrum because When we are aware of the self-scaring and we believe those thoughts, that is when a more phobic uh, response is going to be to go out to get the reassurance. So a more phobic response to a big self-scaring is going to be to just believe those things and then go externally for reassurance, right? So I'm just going to go out to whoever I think you know, whoever's sort of the authority in this self-scaring thing that's happening, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to be reassured. I'm going to have someone else reassure me so I feel okay again. Whereas the other direction is I'm going to go try to just straight control that thing. And this, all sixes exhibit all these different things just depending on the area of their life, how they operate or So this is how this can be true, but we don't really see it sometimes. It really can be a blind spot, the self-scaring. So just want to make sure I put that out there. If anyone's listening and they're like, I just don't see myself doing that. It's like, well, I say yes. And go ahead and start asking the question if there is a lot of behavior similar to what I described with my poor husband and his, his own choices in his grown life. Okay, so going all the way back, we're going to work a little bit more with neurolinguistic programming and just explore how do we continue to kind of throw wrenches into the gears of our personality. And the reason we want to do this, the reason we want to throw wrenches in is because that sort of like really is an opportunity to do something new. Whenever we're trying to get any kind of different result in our life, we need to be able to 
do things in a new and different way. And that is so much different than just getting insight. We have an idea in our head that if we get insight, if we just figure out why, that will suddenly poof out a different result. However, it will not unless we can really wrestle with this self-scary mechanism or with this lens that we see everything through because we will just take the insight and do the thing. We'll just take the insight and self-scare with it. This happens, oh, this breaks my heart and it happens all of the time when I'll be teaching a concept or working something through with people and there will just be this pain because sure, it's a new insight, but immediately some part of their six mechanism uh, flagellates themselves with this insight, right? Like, oh, I wish I would have known that sooner. I wish I wouldn't have done that in, you know, in the past. It just becomes this thing that we scare ourselves with. A very personal example, I, for years, for years, could not really study childhood trauma in my work. I say that, of course, I did anyway, but it was, I used it against me for years because I have children. <laughs> I have trauma. Was all of my trauma resolved before I had children? No, it was not. It still isn't. So I would learn these things about these early development years. I still can't really listen to those things in depth um, because my self-scaring mechanism will use it against myself, right? I will scare myself with thinking about my own kids. And that totally impacts my parenting when I let myself be in that self-scared place. It it does not, those, those insights don't do anything for me unless I can really manage my own self-scaring, my own angst, my own, like really just doing all the work that we're all doing here. Okay. So insight is not necessarily helpful if we're not managing the mechanism that the insight is processed through. I wish you all could see what I'm doing with my hands here. I'm like gesticulating everything that I'm saying. So we want to be able to not just pull insights, but to actually uh, mess with the mechanism, throw the wrench in the gears. So here's another way to do it. We've already exhaustively covered this idea of self-scaring can use that how am i scaring myself here oh and it's very interesting too because as soon as one thing resolves our brains literally are like oh i'm so glad you feel better about that one thing now allow me to present to you this other area of life that you've not been paying attention to let me show you all of the scary things that might happen over here our brain is going to keep doing what it's doing until we interrupt that mechanism. So use the self-scaring. See where you get with that. Another way to really get the body on board here is to ask, well, how do you do that? How do you scare yourself? So if someone asked me that, how do I scare myself? I would say, oh, well, I learn 
something. And then I, I immediately take that thing and apply it to somewhere in my life where I didn't do that insightful thing, where I did that wrong. And then, and then if I'm like, how do I do that? Right. I'm real, I'm describing this to someone. If they're like, tell me how you do that. Like, how do you sew a button? How do you scare yourself? Right. I'm explaining. So then I have to, I have to go inside and I'm doing totally different work right now than just my normal automatic thing. I'm having to really think whole nother part of my brain is coming online as I'm like, well, I take that insight, I apply it to my children's lives. And then I project all the way into their adulthood and decide how bad their lives are going to be. <laughs> and that was a very genuine laugh right there. Like when I, that is what happens automatically and it doesn't make me laugh. But when I just took the time to describe what I do, I could see the absurdity in that. Why, why would I do that? Why would I? Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to decide that my kids' emotional lives are ruined. <laughs> that seems... <laughs> and I like... So just doing that example for you here in real time, I literally feel different. I feel like I like I landed in my body. I got some levity. I mean, anytime we can laugh, it's gonna, it's a, it's like a wrench in the, in the wheel. It's a cog, it's cog in the whatever. I'm gonna quit saying that. So there's an example. Ask yourself, what is happening? What is the doing action that's occurring? And then you can ask yourself, how do I do that? As if you had to describe it to someone who didn't understand what you were talking about. You activate all these different parts of your brain and you're you're just not able to do the thing that you're normally doing. You create a different state in the body. And from that different state in the body, this is what we're talking about. What, what I'm talking about, when I'm talking about self-resourcing. We do all these different things to find resourcing inside our selves. And then when we're in that body state, we're just able to then think in new ways. Okay, one more example. This is one that I use all of the time. And it has to do with finding our knowing, which I've talked about a little bit before. Obviously, this is a big Enneagram 6 thing. Follow your own knowing. And we're up in our head, like, where is my knowing? What in the world? <laughs> And we're like looking on the internet for it and, you know, reading books and doing all the things to find our knowing. So this is what I do if I'm coaching someone and, you know, we're going along, we're going along and I'll hear, I'll hear a shift. I will hear the tone will change. Their whole being will just like land because they're saying something from a place of knowing. And I'll say, hold on, what you just said, where do you know that? Where do you know what you know? And of course, they're like, what? It's the it's the wrench in the gears, because they're just going along. And I'm like, throw the wrench, 
I don't want to describe my coaching that way. You know, <laughs> just throw wrenches. I ask, where do you know that? And it stops the whole system and they start to look for where that knowing was. I was like, because what you just said, like, I believe you. I felt that. That was different. And they know it was. They felt, they feel it too when they stop. And they're like, oh, it's in my belly. Oh, it's in my heart. Or, oh, it's like my spine got straighter. So there's something that happened, but we'll just miss it unless we throw the wrench stop the system and then ask a question in a different way that the brain is just not going to ask automatically. So that's something you can do too. When you get going on something and you find yourself just like knowing what you know, when you when you hear or you feel like, ooh, that was me. Where? Where was my body? What was happening in my body? when I was so sure. You can also access this by, by, I'm getting excited. Okay, I'm ending this. You can also access this by going back. When did I really know something clearly? Okay, when I knew that thing, how did I feel? And not in like, not what emotion did I feel, but like, where was my certainty? Where was it? Okay. That is what I have for you today. Different ways to throw a wrench in the system of your personality to really help you access something new, something different, that then you have that resource and you can build on that little by little as opposed to continuing to do what we've always done, which why would we do anything else until we know a new way. Okay. Talk to y'all soon. Okay. Thank you for listening. As always, if you want more, there is a confidence series that you can download and it will be delivered right to your email. You can contact me directly on my website or send me an email if you have questions about coaching or want to let me know what you think about the podcast can also leave a rating or review. I appreciate you all being here so much. Talk soon.